0: morning, morning.
1: stories told of a mother who was trying to get her son to wake up so that he might go to church. And she tried several times, and then he finally said to his mother, "Why do I have to go to church?" And she said, "Because you're the pastor." well uh, that has never happened in my life i am glad and happy to be in the house of the lord and i can resonate with the scripture that says i was glad when they said unto me let us go into the house of the lord the call to worship scripture is from the gospel of john john chapter 4 verses 23 and 24. jesus is in a dialogue with the samaritan woman we're kind of debating and arguing about worship. And Jesus says in John chapter 4, verse 23, But an hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshippers shall worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit, and truth. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day, this glorious day that you have given to us. You have made it possible for us to come into this sanctuary, come together with our brothers and sisters in Christ to worship you in spirit and in truth. we realize that you are deserving of worship not just at this time but every moment of our life may we be those true worshipers that you seek may we worship you both corporately and individually father thank you for your faithfulness and indeed your faithfulness is great and we see it in so many many different ways but you have demonstrated your faithfulness to fairview For allowing us to exist these many, many years. And we know that it's you. You have done it. And Father, thank you also that we can celebrate Family and Friends Day. We're thankful for those who are here who are not normally a part of our congregation. Lord, may every aspect of this worship service honor you and exalt you. Use the music use the reading of scripture the preaching of your word the time of giving and greeting may everything exalt the lord jesus christ and may he get the glory and the honor that he so rightfully deserves we pray this in jesus name amen morning So it's, uh, it's good to be in the house of the Lord Please stand to your feet And I want to invite each of you to sing out as we sing
0: to God be the glory
2: you uh-huh.
1: Our responsive reading this morning is taken from the
0: Book of Acts, chapter two, verses one through thirteen. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. We found- And there appeared to them tongues as a fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them. Now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. They were amazed and astonished, saying, Why are not all these who are speaking Galileans? Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia. Cretans and Arabs, we hear them in their own tongues speaking of the mighty deeds of God. But others were mocking and saying, "They are full of sweet wine." Good morning. This is the day that the Lord has made, her,
2: yes.
0: and we are already enjoyed." And we're glad to have our choir sing. We're going to have a song for this morning. Uh, there is uh, a song we can in Jesus, that we have the bulletin that's having a huge field of the faith. Uh, this is a spoken song for any subject but in the future today. But before we sing that, we're going to uh, sing the rejoice. Come on, everybody, rejoice. This is the day that the Lord has made. You should be glad about it. So if you join in, put your hands together. If you want to stand up feel free. You're going to sing all of your joy. <laughs> Let's take some time to pray. Lord, you've been good to us. Beyond what we can fathom, the things we cannot see. You've done amazing things in creating us with purpose giving us energy and enthusiasm, declaring that all that you created was good and then we messed it up. Lord, we ask for your forgiveness. Guide us. Give us your wisdom and your grace as we need it today and forevermore.
1: Lord, may we live in accordance with how you have aligned for our lives to meet your destiny. Lord, we need you. We need a better relationship with you. We need to know you. We need to serve you. We need to humbly submit to your will. Lord, we ask for your favor that you would even surround us with other people who can get us closer to that better relationship with you. Guide our spouses, our friends, our coworkers, our
0: neighbors, our church members, to encourage us and help us to encourage them to be of use to you, to be equipped better to serve in accordance with what you want for not only our lives, but one another. May we be good representatives here on earth of the fact that you are our Father, that you Love us. You've demonstrated that several times. Lord, we thank you for this day. We ask that you will bless the rest of the service. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.
2: It's
0: good to see so many people here, including the faces that I don't recognize, which is good. Uh,
1: At this point, though, It's it's going to be the time where we ask some people to stand just so we can acknowledge you. If this happens to be your first time here at this church, we do want you to stand, if possible. Can you just stand for us? If this is your first time, can you can do that for us?
0: Go ahead and do the stand.
1: It's good to see you. Now, there are going to be some bags that are come around, and so just take one of those, and inside, and once you get it, you can sit down inside of that bag. There should be a card. If you could just leave your information with us, we can keep in touch with you, and we can just continue to share just what God is not only doing through our lives, but maybe you can share some things that God is doing through yours. If that's okay, uh, if you already have your bag, uh, you can sit, be seated just for a, a brief moment. Because at this time, we also want everyone to greet everyone uh, if you can. So, uh, reasonably speaking, uh, let's go ahead and take some time to greet one another, our visitors, and everyone here. good morning to each and every one of you I, mean, I trust that the worship service will be a real blessing to you and uh, as you know this we're celebrating our church anniversary okay and I think we finally got it right at least I, yeah so we have existed for over a hundred years uh, That means in the upcoming year or next year, we need to do something special to celebrate uh, the fact that God has been so good to us. So uh, I want to share a little bit uh, about the history of our church and uh, where we have come from, Uh, hopefully with the aid of my, they didn't like my first slide, so... (laughs) Okay, so basically in the history of Fairview, there's been eight senior pastors. A couple of them, we don't have their pictures. I tried to do a Google search for them, but couldn't find anything. But probably the second pastor that uh, should be noted, and that is Albert Wrights. We have a building actually named after him. You were to go outside and go to the left. The building that's on the corner is named after him. He was a prolific songwriter. But Glenn, if you do a Google uh, under his name, you'll find that he's written over 100 songs, and he was a pastor at Fairview for a number of years. Uh, anybody join the church under Pastor Wright? No? Nobody. Okay, we'll go on to Pastor Britton uh, from 1952 to 19. 19- 72, anybody join the church under him? Stand up if you did. Okay. Well, we'll keep on. I don't know who Pastor Limex is. Um, Anybody? You joined the church under him. Okay. All right. So this is uh, Robert and Cynthia Ace. And what year did you join? You remember? Or you just know it was under him?
0: Okay. Okay. all righty, so good. So if you can get a picture
1: of him for me, that would be great. <laughs> so let's go to the next slide, and then uh, there's Pastor Davis. And he was here from 1980 through 1999. Uh, he's still alive, not in very good health, but he is still alive. How many people, if you joined during the time Pastor Davis came, stand up. Okay, I'm not going to name names. Too many of you, I get in trouble anyway. So uh, Pastor Davis, after him was Pastor Stephen Murphy. I have to tell you a little brief story about Pastor Davis. Uh, I remember when he... uh, retired, resigned, and I got a call from Diane Nelson. She's calling me, telling me that this church was now available, uh, but I was in Denver, Colorado. So I've known about Fairview for a number of years. Uh, so Pastor
0: Stephen Murphy, anybody join under him? Okay, I could say something, but I
1: won't. Pastor Carl Hargrove served from 2007 to 2014. Anybody join when Pastor Hargrove was here? Okay, there are people in the back. There's Luigi and others. Okay, so I'm not going to name names. Thank you. Then I think you know the last guy who came in 2015. So moving on to our Spanish-speaking ministry. Uh, I I grabbed this picture off of the website, uh, Adrian. So, uh, yeah, stand up so people can actually see what you look like now. So we are glad to have both congregations together this morning. Uh, We are one church. uh, we have a Spanish-speaking ministry that their worship service takes place at the same time as the English-speaking ministry, but we're grateful when we can gather together. So even our choir has individuals from the Spanish-speaking ministry joining the English-speaking ministry. So it's a vital part of our ministry, and we trust that God will continue to bless the Spanish-speaking congregation. Missions is an important part of Fairview. Uh, There used to be on this wall right here a board of the whole world, and it had lights for where missionaries were serving that Fairview supported. So uh, we don't have that anymore, but in the 1964 and 1965 yearbook, we had 24 individuals and couples that were on the mission field, Uh, In the 1969 membership directory, 31 individuals and couples who are on the mission field. And then in the 1975 church directory, 27 uh, individuals and couples. So right now, we currently support nine individuals and couples. You can see some of the places where they serve. Some are in Fiji, some in Haiti, California, Japan, Cameroon, Mexico, Belize. Definitely don't wanna leave out the lease. And uh, then we're partnering with certain local ministries like Christian Release Time Education, Los Angeles Bible Training School, et cetera. So missions is important uh, to us, both local mission and global mission. Another important part of our church is Christian education. Uh, Christian education basically oversees different ministries and the goal of the Christian Education Board in ministry is basically to make sure that Fairview is being trained in the Word of God. So we don't just simply want to preach the Word. We want to make sure that the Word is being taught at all levels, at all ages. And so we have ministries like Awana, which ministers to kids uh, from as early What's the youngest? Four years old all the way up to high school. And it meets uh, during the fall semester, so to speak, and the spring semester. But a great ministry. If you have children, um, young people uh, uh, between those ages, make sure uh, that you have them come out on Wednesday night. We also have our Sunday school, um, Children's Church, Our nursery. Uh, This year we started Good News Club. Well, last year we started Good News Club with Child Evangelism Fellowship, and then also our nursery ministry. And who can forget Vacation Bible School? How many raise your hand if you're at BBS? All right, so we had a great, wonderful time at BBS. We also have some fellowship groups, and those groups are designed to minister to particular ages or particular genders. So we have our young adult ministry covering 18 years old to 35. Uh, We also have a men's fellowship and a women's fellowship. And once a year, we have a sweetheart's dinner for couples coming up on February the 10th. So if you are married and you would like to attend, see my wife down here and she can help you out. uh, Just want you to get a little idea of our different boards. And I am going to ask people to stand. So if you're on the deacon, I'm going to find out who of our board members are actually here. So if you're on the deacon board, would you please stand? Okay. You can read their names. I think Ed is preparing lunch for us. But these are our faithful servants. Uh, the deacons who oversee a number of ministries. And then we have our deaconess board. Deaconesses, would you please stand? Okay. So one of the other ones, Bessie was here, but she think is helping Ed. And then the board of missions. I think I saw Michael. And Ryan is back there. And so they are officially... On the Board of Missions, and then the Board of Christian Education, Ingrid and Marlene. I'm announcing the official board member. We do have some trainees on these different boards. And then the Board of Trustees. Okay. All right, so three out of the five are here. And then the Auditing Committee. Anybody from that committee? Got Kenesha back there, and Cherie. okay. And I'm gonna get in trouble now when it comes to the Spanish Board of Deacons and the Spanish Board of Is I'm terrible at pronouncing names. So Cecilio Rodpop and Maria Elena Ramos in Louisa. Stan, if you are here, Tell them to stand up, Adrian. (laughs) And then quickly, we're almost at the end. uh, The church officers, the vice moderator, David Stewart. Stand up, please. Then our business manager, Mavis Robinson. Are you here, Mavis? Okay, and then we have our treasurer, Bessie. I think she's in the... Jim, and then we have the financial secretary, Cynthia Ace. Thank you. And then our church clerk. We have to call her Susan Adams, even notes, she's Debbie to me. So this is my sister. And then just the staff. You know about me, you know about Adrian. Biko. Biko around. Biko. Thank you for serving. And then our wonderful secretary. Where is she? Come on, wonderful secretary. Not around. Okay. All righty. So, obviously, when we think about our church, I just want to remind us of God's faithfulness to us. And so the next slide will help me to remind you. But uh, the the church began in a tent uh, right next door as part of um, Centinella Elementary School back in 1923, so that's when the church first began, and then uh, it moved to its own facilities, which is basically where we are now in 1926. So God has blessed, here's our wonderful church secretary. <laughs> so uh, God has blessed us with wonderful facilities of Christian education, building a gym, Uh, Rights building, et cetera, et cetera. And the good thing is that they're all paid for, so that's even a greater blessing. And the Lord has done great things through these facilities. Uh, People have come and gone. Gone is clear. Uh, When you look at some of the old pictures, Fairview was all white, lily white. Now it's changed drastically so community has changed the culture has changed but even though things have changed we as a church have remained faithful to God we've faithful to God and his word so the things that were believed at the beginning are the things that we still believe today we believe that the Bible is God's word that it's without error, that it is authoritative, that it is the Supreme Court for our lives as Christians. So we're glad that even though things have changed, the culture has changed, the people have changed, we're glad that we're still faithful to the Word of God. And we're faithful to the gospel. If you're without Christ today, we want you to know that God loves you and the evidence of His love for you that He sent His Son. Jesus Christ, into this world to live a perfect life. He died on the cross, was buried, and was raised from the dead. And he appeared to many individuals to show that he was alive. And he's now seated at the right hand of God. But in Christ, there is forgiveness of sins. Fairview started with that. We continue with that even today. And so when we think about the faithfulness of God, the last thing that I would point out is that, you know, how do you explain our existence? How can it be said that we are still here? It's not because we've been good. It's because we have done what we should have done. We have fallen short throughout the years as a church. Our existence is due to the goodness of God, is due to the faithfulness of God. God has done things through us that we cannot even imagine but because of his faithfulness we still exist today not many churches can say that they still exist and are true to God and to his word and to his plan of salvation like fairview so praise God for that uh, as Jeremiah said in Lamentation 3, verses 22 through 23, the Lord's loving kindness indeed never ceases, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. And as the song was played prior to our worship service, great is God's grace. We should never, ever take that for granted at the church. So praise God for his faithfulness. to I just want you to know that wasn't my sermon. <laughs> At this time, we are going to dismiss our children to Children's Church. So, children ages four to grade six, now, why don't you come forward, and the teachers will come forward also. We have uh, Bible teaching for the children. Uh, You don't expect them necessarily to understand all of the things that are said in the sermon. Uh, I got rebuked uh, last Sunday uh, by my granddaughter. She's not here today. uh, But I was told that I said a bad word uh, in my sermon last Sunday. So uh, I, I used the word shut up. I guess her parents have taught her that's a bad word. And I use that word to say that we need to tell false teachers to be silent uh, I stand corrected. I don't want to offend anyone at all, but we're grateful for our teachers. And so Let's pray now for our children and teachers. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for Children's Church. Thank you for each and every one of these children. Thank you that you love them, that you care about them. May they grow up to have a personal relationship with you through Jesus Christ. Thank you for their teachers. Help them to make the gospel and biblical truth understandable to these children. And thank you in advance for what you are going to do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. For so parents, your children will be brought back to the sanctuary at the end of the service. This time we're gonna ask that the ushers will come for the lifting of the morning offering. If you're a visitor, first time visitor, and you received a registration card, that orange card. Can you kindly uh, drop that in the offering tray? And uh, we're thankful to God that it's through the giving of the members of Fairview that we are able to carry out God's plan here. So let's pray together. Dear me, Father, we again are grateful for your provisions, for your blessings. It's not because we have been so good. That's because of your faithfulness and your kindness that we possess the things that we do and have the jobs that we have. Thank you for moving upon our hearts to encourage us to give to the kingdom, to give to carry on the work of Jesus Christ. Please accept these gifts. Use them for your glory and honor. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Glenn Jones and thank you choir uh, that song whatever it takes uh, it's hard for me to listen to that song and not get emotional about it
0: you know I remember Edna the singing that song and, uh, it's not to be taken lightly
1: it's easy to listen to the words and to even sing the words but to come before God and say whatever it takes
0: whatever it takes to take it all out of my life that's quite
1: a submission to God because God
0: will use trials God will use persecutions God will use afflictions God will use people that rub you the wrong way to refine you, to get things out of your life. And
1: so when we come before him, we say whatever it takes. We can't be plain with God. God has his means of grace that he will use in our lives to get sin out of our lives to help us be true to Him, to be faithful to Him, and to depend on Him, but I trust that each
0: and every one of us is willing to say to God, "God, whatever it takes, I want to be like Jesus Christ, whatever it takes." I'm going to ask that you will take your
1: copy of God's Word and turn with me to the book of First Timothy. Accustomed to stand for the reading of God's word out of respect and reverence for the word. So, if you're able to stand, please do that. On past occasions of our church anniversary and our family and friends' day, I might bring a message related to that, but I just want us to continue. And those of us at Fairview, uh, we're going through the book of First Timothy, and I just want to preach uh, the next portion um, that's found in this book. first timothy chapter one beginning at verse eight paul writes but we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully realizing the fact the law is not made for a righteous man but for those who are lawless in rebellion rebellious with the ungodly sinning, with the unholy and profane for those who kill their fathers or mothers, for murderers for immoral men for homosexuals for kidnappers for liars for perjurers and whatever else is contrary to sound teaching according to the glorious gospel of the blessed God with which Paul says, I have been entrusted. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for our time of worship. May you use every aspect of this worship service in our lives to conform us to the image of Jesus Christ. We come now to your word, begging and pleading that you would use it in our lives that we would be more than just hearers of it, but that we would be doers. We commit ourselves to you and ask that you would have your own way. Use your word to
0: cause us to be more like Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen. And let me be seated. Are Christians to keep the law? Should I, as a believer,
1: memorize the Ten Commandments and order my steps by them? Must I obey the law in order to be saved or in order to live a sanctified, holy life? Are, are believers still under the Old Testament law as expressed? by Moses, how you respond to those questions will reveal whether or not you have a sound
0: understanding of the law. It will inform you whether or not your
1: belief about the law lines up with sound doctrine or false doctrine. First Timothy chapter one, verses eight through eleven demands that the church corporately and and Christians individually, it demands that there be no false doctrine about the law. No false doctrine about this thing that we call the law. Last Sunday we realized and we looked at the fact that false doctrine has no place at all in the church. We entitled the message from 1 Timothy 1 verses 3-7, through no false doctrine. False doctrine is not permitted in the life of the church and false doctrine is not to be permitted in our individual lives. And Paul gave particular reasons why that is the case. He said that false doctrine is illegal according to the word of God. He said that false doctrine strikes out at love. False is the goal of our instruction is love from a pure heart, from a clean conscience, and from a sincere faith. False doctrine produces rotten fruit. And that's what it did in the lives of the false teachers that Timothy had to deal with. It produced false doctrine. It, their, their false doctrine produced rotten fruit. And so that when you looked at them, you saw individuals who wanted to be teachers of the law. But at the same time, when you looked at their conduct, they were strained. They were turning away to foolish babble. And on top of all of that, they were incorporating the law in their teaching. If you had gone to them, they would have told you that the law was important to them. And that's why Paul refers to them as law teaching. But they didn't teach correctly and rightly about the law what they taught about the law that mosaic law that's found in the old testament was wrong it was incorrect and so when paul thinks about them and the fact that they want to be law teachers that riles him up that causes him to say i must expose them i must encourage Timothy and exhort Timothy to let the church at Ephesus know that there is a sound teaching about the law and there is false teaching about the law. So, as we come to this text, I want us to see the law, the way that Paul communicates to Timothy that the law is to be seen. And the message to us collectively as a church fairview, is that there is to be no false doctrine about the law. We are to have a sound understanding about this thing that Paul is talking about. And so he will point out four features, four distinguishing features about the law. And the first distinguishing. Feature about the law Paul says is that the law is good the, the law is good Paul contrasts himself and Timothy with the false teachers that he mentioned previously they were law teachers but he said you're ignorant of what you're teaching uh, you don't know your subject matter And not only do you not know your subject matter, you are confident and you brag about it. But you're talking loud and you know nothing. Paul says to Timothy, we're different, Timothy. We're not ignorant of the law. We know the law. We're not ignorant of the function of the law. We, Timothy, know the function of it. And that's why he begins verse eight by saying, but we know. The the false teachers don't know, but Timothy, you know and I know that the law is good, that the law is beautiful, that the law is wonderful. This is Paul's conclusion when he thinks about the law. And the law that he is talking about is the Old Testament law as revealed by Moses, and we refer to it as the Mosaic law. It would include, most people know, the Ten Commandments. But when Paul gives his assessment of the Old Testament law as expressed in the Mosaic law, including the Old Testament, he says that it is good.
0: That's his conclusion. It's good. He believes that. He accepts that. He's not opposed to that.
1: This affirmation about the law agrees with Paul's other affirmation. When you read in the book of Romans, Paul will say that the law is spiritual. And Paul will say that the law is holy. We don't get everything about the law in this passage, but what we get is helpful and meaningful. In Paul's conclusion about the law. And what is that conclusion? That the law is good. It's based. Upon
0: a condition. Paul says the law is good if. If. It is used lawfully. If it is used legitimately.
1: He, he says the, the, in essence the false teachers are using the law. But the law in their hands is not good. The law in their hands lead people away. But Paul says, I I want you to understand, even though these individuals are abusing and misusing the law, the law is good, that is my conclusion, if it meets the condition that it is used legitimately, that it is used lawfully, that it is used in harmony with what God intended the law to be used for. So I ask you the
0: question, How do you view the law? Do you denigrate the law? Do you dismiss the law? Do you downgrade the law?
1: Do you despise the law? What's your assessment of this thing that Paul calls the law, the Mosaic law that is found in the Old Testament? Paul says, Timothy, we agree, we know beyond a shadow of a doubt the law is good. Now, there's more to Paul's mini theology of the law. This is just his first point. If we're going to grasp everything that he says, then we need to know who the law is for
0: and who the law is not for. See, we'll get in trouble. Just looking at the law and
1: not understanding its intended use. And so when we come to verses 9 and 10, we see that the law is not intended for a righteous person. That that might shock you. But the law is intended for unrighteous people. So please take note. That a second distinguishing mark of the law is that it is not intended for a righteous person. Paul, says, Timothy, "We realize the fact.
0: We understand the fact that the law is not for a righteous man."
1: Again, those aren't my words, and it might be even kind of confusing and misleading to you, but Paul is saying that the law is not for a righteous person. The law is not for a person who is in right relationship with God. When Paul talks about a righteous person, he's talking about an individual who has repented of his or her sins and have put their faith alone in the Lord Jesus Christ. And God has saved that person. And when God saves you, guess what? He declares you righteous. I didn't say he made you righteous because that's what the Christian life is all about, pursuing righteousness day in and day out in our life. But we are declared righteous in the eyes of God. The righteousness of Christ is imputed to our account. The Christian, when God saves you, he declares you righteous. You have been justified, as Paul says in Romans 5, by faith and as a result of being justified and declared righteous, you have peace with God. You and God are not enemies any longer. When we come into this world, we come into this world as the enemy of God. Those cute little babies. And we have one, uh, Janice brought her baby. Those cute little babies come into this world, sinners, they come into this world alienated from God. They come into this world as an enemy of God, even though God loves them and God cares for them, etc. cetera. That, that, that cute little baby needs to grow up and repent of his or her sin, and put their faith in Christ alone for salvation. And when that happens, you are declared righteous. The Bible can refer to you as a righteous man, or a righteous woman. And Paul is saying in our text, that the Mosaic law as found in the Old Testament, it's not,
0: it's not, for the Christian who has been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. It's not. I'm not making that up. That's what the text says. It's not for a righteous person. It's not for one who is right with God through a person who works with Christ. It's not made that individual it's not established on the active giving to that individual so what that means is that the christian
1: during the period who lives during the from the day of pentecost that the church age who lived in the church age that began on the day of pentecost that will end with the rapture of the church during that church age If you are alive, you live during that time and you're
0: a Christian, the law is not intended for you. And so I ask you the question, are you seeking to order your steps by the law?
1: Are you trying to keep the law? The Old Testament law as expressed by Moses in the first five books, particularly of the Old Testament, it's not for you. It's not for a righteous person. Does that mean that we're lawless? Does that mean we can do whatever we want to do? No, we're under the law of Christ. We're not under the Mosaic law. And so Paul, many theology of the law. The law is good. And the law is not intended for a righteous person. Well, if it's not intended for for a righteous person, who is it intended for? The the third distinguishing mark of the law is that the law is intended for unrighteous people. The, The law is for ungodly people. The law is for wicked people. And that's really even true when you just talk about the law in general. People have established the law so that people will do what is right and not wrong. Governments and cities, etc., they establish law. But God's law is intended for the unrighteous people. And Paul goes to great lengths to tell us What it means to be an unrighteous person, what it means to be a wicked person, he makes it clear in verses last part of verse nine all the way to verse ten, and let me just read it so that you will hear who the law is for. Paul says that since the law is not for a righteous person,
0: but instead the law is for the lawless and rebellious. The law is for the ungodly and sinners. The law is for for the unholy and profane. The law is for, the translation says, those who kill their fathers are
1: mothers. The law is for murderers. The the law is for immoral men and women. The law is for homosexuals, Paul said. I'm not adding to the text. It's right there. You can look at it in verse 10. The the, the law is for kidnappers. And, And the law is for liars. Are you shocked? (laughs) <laughs> that among those other sins that sometimes we consider them big sins, guess what? If you're telling a little white lie, the law is for you. And, and the law is for perjurers. Now those who are willing to take the witness stand and lie. You know them. They'll put their hand on a stack of Bibles and try to act like what they're saying is the truth. They're willing to swear. That they're telling the truth, knowing
0: that they're lying through their teeth. That's who the law is for. Paul identifies
1: 14 categories. I'm not gonna go through these one by one. I know, thanks to God, you know the Lord for that. Praise him. That we'll get out a little bit early. But we're not going through all 14. But 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 don't miss how these are structured, these four first. It begins with four paired categories. Paul talks about the lawless and the rebellious. In the second pair, the ungodly and the sinners. The third pair, the unholy and profane. And then those who murder parents. And, and it just points out that, that very first item. The, the, the ones who are lawless. They, they, they live as if there is no law of God. And, and even if they do believe that there is a law of God, they act out and don't submit to what God's word says. But that fourth pair is kind of interesting. And I, I, I know, parents, you want me to deal with this where
0: it says, That the law is for those who kill their fathers or mothers. Literally, it says those who strike, those who smite, those who beat. Children, young people, you can't be saying to your mother or father, put up your dukes, let's fight.
1: That's what Paul is talking about. No, people miss the point because we think he's talking about murder. No, he's talking about smiting, striking. And sometimes we laugh at that. But sometimes sin is so deep in our children when they grow up that they will rebel against their parents and not even fear striking them or smiting them.
0: Some of you as parents have been in fistfights with your kids. And that is contrary to what the law says. And the thing that I did not
1: mention is that when this list is looked at, it is to be looked at through the lens of the Ten Commandments. All of these categories relate to the Ten Commandments. And there is a commandment in the Old Testament that says in Exodus twenty-one fifteen that if you strike or beat a father or mother,
0: that was worthy of death. Etch that in your minds, young people. You get tired of your parents. And you think, well, I'll just let them know who's in charge. Striking, beating your parents. In the Old Testament, praise God for grace, right? In the
1: Old Testament, some I mean, of you wouldn't be around. It was worthy of death. Paul talks about sexual sin as a violation of the seventh commandment the seventh commandment is you shall not commit adultery sexual immorality in this list can be manifested with the opposite sex or with the same sex paul talks about immoral men and he talks about homosexual they're not the same they're not identical One is sex with another person outside of the boundaries of God's word and the other one is sex with someone of the same sex which is always outside of the boundaries of God's word. Paul mentions these two as manifestations of sexual sin as a violation of you shall not commit adultery. These two are also mentioned in 1 Corinthians 6, 9. And it's interesting when you look at that passage, Paul talked about the effeminate and the homosexual, letting us know that those two are not identical. But the effeminate are individuals who are in a homosexual relationship where the male is passive. Where the male plays the role of the woman. He he saw. And homosexuals, you know what that
0: refers to.
1: There's a sin here, there's a category that's not talked about much, and that is kidnappers. Kidnappers. And it refers to men stealing, slave dealers, slave traders. I got a lot of commentaries, got a lot of books. And they, they tell me what this means. They talks about someone stealing somebody else, not their things, but their actual person. One of the commandments is you should not steal. But the height of that, the, the worst form of that is not stealing something that belongs to someone else, but it's stealing that person. Just stealing that individual. And many times that was done in order to trade that person and to make that person a slave. Now, I don't know why, but when I read my different commentaries, none of them really apply this term to modern day. But if we understand what it means to kidnap, if we understand slave trading, if we understand stealing somebody and selling that person to somebody else, and that person profits from what takes place, if we understand this term, this term is saying that slavery as practiced in America was sin. No if, ands, buts about it. Did God allow it? Yes. But but those who enslaved others were committing sin. Now, this particular sin, kidnapping,
0: benefiting from slave traders for their own particular use. People try to act like the sin of slavery is no big deal in America. Paul is saying that kidnapping fall into the category of sinners. They're ungodly.
1: So for someone to say, I'm a Christian and I enslave human beings as slaves, that is a major, major contradiction. It doesn't line up with the word of God. But let me be quick to add that if we really understand this term kidnapping, slave dealing, slave trading it strikes at the heart of sex trafficking
0: that's going on today. And and we should be outraged that
1: men and women and boys and girls are being snatched and stolen and being used to offer sex to others. We, We should not engage in that but we need to do more and actually call it out as sin. And so if we understand kidnappers here. It strikes at the heart of slavery. that's practiced in America and also
0: it strikes at the heart of sex trafficking. Let me add, ask a question. Is Paul's list exhaustive? You might
1: have looked at the list and said, I ain't there. Well, don't be so quick. Because Paul's list is not exhaustive. Paul says that the universe can be. And whatever else? Okay, whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine. Now, any kind of living, any kind of a lifestyle, any kind of an act that is contrary to doctrine that is healthy and sound. And and so what that means is we have to know sound doctrine. We have to know sound biblical teaching because that sound biblical teaching stands against ungodliness. It stands against sinfulness. It stands against kidnapping. It stands against sexual immorality and homosexuality. If we have sound doctrine, and that's why we have to be making sure that we're in a church that is teaching us the Word of God. And as I said last Sunday, not just on Sunday morning, but in Sunday school, or on Wednesday night, or at LABTS, we need to be learning sound doctrine. Because otherwise, if we can't identify sound doctrine, then we won't know the things
0: that are supposed to happen. And so the law is for unrighteous people. It's intended to let human beings know that they're sinning. And some of you, as you and me, as we read this list, we might see ourselves in the list. It is a reminder that we're sinning, that we need to be saved that we need to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You
1: don't have to stay in these categories. God can free you from these categories.
0: God can release you. God can set you up. The law reveals a person's sentiments. It reveals that a person is in need of the Lord Jesus Christ.
1: Let me quickly conclude by just simply saying that the law is grounded in the gospel. As Paul ends verse 11,
0: he talks about the glorious gospel of the blessed God. What Paul has said about the law, that it's good, that it's not intended for the
1: righteous person, but it's intended for the unrighteous people. All that he said about that is in harmony with the gospel is in harmony with the the good news and when paul talks about the good news here he, he refers to the good news as that which manifests and displays the glory of god you see a lot of times when we think about the gospel we think about the fact that well in the gospel it tells him that christ died That Christ was buried, that Christ was raised, and that Christ was seen. That's a part of the gospel. But the point that Paul is making is that when you really look at the gospel, what is manifested, what is displayed, is God's heaviness, is God's weightiness, is God's power, is God's brilliance. Focus in on the gospel and you'll see that God is indeed glorious. And Paul refers to God as the blessed God. I don't know how you like to talk about God. I don't know how you like to refer to him. But Paul says he's the blessed God. And that term blessed is not the typical word of speaking well of someone, Like we do at a eulogy when we lie sometimes. But here, Paul is talking about blessed in the sense of happy. This past Wednesday night in Bible study, we pointed out that God wants us to be happy on his terms. He wants us to be holy and to be happy. Well, guess what? God is a happy God. He's happy within himself. He's not on the throne frowning, He's not agonizing, not in distress. God is happy within himself because that's his character, that's his nature. And Paul said this glorious gospel displays the glory of the blessed God. And he also said this gospel has been entrusted to Paul. And we'll talk more about that.
0: Lord willing, next season.
1: Are Christians to keep the law? Should I, as a believer, memorize the Ten Commandments and order my steps by them? Must I obey the law? Those are questions that I need to ask myself. Am I trying to live my life as a Christian, a genuine Christian, by keeping the Ten Commandments? If I go into your house, do I have, see a list of the Ten Commandments as if that is what to, is to order your steps? Paul
0: is pointing out that some have wrongly believed that you can be saved by keeping
1: the law. Can I just tell you plainly and clearly? The law cannot save you from your sin. Only the person and work of Jesus Christ can do that. You can know the Ten Commandments backwards and forwards. You can impress the moral law of the Old Testament upon your heart, but it will not save you and neither will it sanctify you, cause you to grow and be more like Jesus Christ. The the work of the Holy Spirit is to sanctify us. The work of the Holy Spirit by God's grace is to enable us to be more like Christ. So our text demands, what does it demand? It demands no false doctrine about the law. We must understand that the law is good. That the law is not intended for a righteous person, for a Christian. The law is intended for unrighteous people, people who are lawless and rebellious. And the list goes all the way down to those who are liars and perjurers and any other thing that is contrary
0: to sound doctrine. The law. Is grounded in the gospel. It shows us the glory of God as displayed in the good news.
1: I know we don't think often about the law, but we must.
0: We should. We must take Paul's words to heart. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we Thank you for your word.
1: And even though we might think that we don't need to hear a message on the law,
0: we do. Because there are people who are trying to be saved by keeping the law.
1: There are individuals that are trying to be righteous
0: by keeping the law. There are individuals who have used the law in a way that is wrong. Thank you that the law is good. Thank you that it has an intended purpose. The law helps us to see that we're sinners, that we're dead in trespasses and sins, and that we need a Savior. And Father, I trust that if anyone under the sound of my voice that they will recognize that they are a sinner and that they're in need of a Savior and that they will repent of his or her sin and put their faith in Christ. Thank you for the gospel that displays and manifests
1: how glorious and how magnificent and wonderful our God
0: is. Not only our God, but also our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. May we respond to that gospel. And may you cause us to live a life that honors you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We come to the end of our service. We always like to provide an opportunity for
1: individuals to respond to what they've heard. If you're a Christian and you don't have a church home and you believe God is leading you to Fairview, we would encourage you to come after service and someone can sit down and talk with you. If you're not a Christian, i tried to present the gospel several times in this message.
0: If you fall into that list, 14 categories. And even if you don't fall into that list,
1: you probably fall into the category of whatever else is contrary
0: to some doctrine. But you need a savior. I need a savior. I want to encourage you to make sure that the Lord Jesus Christ is your
1: Savior. And so you can come after the service, and someone will share with
0: you how you can become a Christian. So uh we're going to stand at this time.
1: We're going sing our benediction. And After that, we're going to ask you to sit down. Those of you who need to get into the gym. invited to have lunch with us after the service. So they're gonna be preparing for us uh, to eat. So uh, this is not dinner for the rest of the week. Uh, This is lunch. Tied you over to dinner. So we trust that you will be a part of that. All of you are welcome. I'm sure we have more than enough. And again, to those who came out Family and friends, day. Thank you so much. And those who came out to celebrate our anniversary, church anniversary. I want to thank you also. Uh, I, I promise a gift uh, to the person who brought the most guests. So we need to solve that right now. And find out who that is. Anybody here think they brought over fifteen
0: people? 14, 13, 12, 11. Anybody bring over 10?
1: Well, every year it seems like I win. (laughs) But, but, But I won't take the prize. Nine. Anybody over nine guess? Over eight? We might not be able to have a contest if we go down to... Only have one gift, so anybody over seven? <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> you got seven? You won last year, didn't you? No, good. Well, stand up. Stand up with your seven guests. One. You sure?
0: Okay, main stand, you got to introduce your guests, all seven of them. <laughs> Children's Church, okay. Well, I guess I have to give this to Robert.
1: Does Robert get this or do you get this? Well, let me. Uh, so, first, we've been talking a lot about theology and doctrine. Tony Evans has written a great book, it's big and thick. Uh, the one thing I would tell you make sure you turn to page 150. Okay? Please do that. Uh, Then there's a couple of books by H.B. Charles. One is What Happens After Prayer, and another one is on worship. So these are yours. Anybody else have guests?
0: You want to introduce your guests? Come on. Do we have a mic in the house? Want to sing a song too? Okay. Hold on, I'm going to give you a microphone. Okay.
1: Anybody else have over three guests? Three or more? Stand up. Stand up, please, and there you go. Introduce us to your
0: guest. There's a microphone. Well, you got five.
1: (laughs) Anybody else want to introduce their guest? Three or more.
0: One once. We're in twice. And I want to introduce Frank.
1: Frank, why don't you stay up? Stand up. Frank is a chaplain with tell me your Right. So, Adrian and I uh, went to one of their facilities on this past Wednesday So we're thankful for the work that he does uh, in the prison. If any of you are interested in prison ministry, not getting into prison but prison ministry, Uh, Frank can help me thank you so much Uh, and I wish I had a gift for the best dressed person in the house anybody see the best dressed person in the house who well my wife (laughs) that's not what I was quite you're looking good honey but, but you always look good. But so I want to address my, introduce my, my mailman, Kevin. So he, he's the best dressed.
2: So,
1: so brothers, this is how you dress when you come to church. So, uh, Kevin is going to be retiring. Uh, when is it? April? March the 30th. So, uh, he's been a blessing uh, to my wife and I. He knows all my business. Because he gets to see all my mail and all of that. But thank you so much, Kevin, for being here. And uh, Bert is a former.
0: Yeah, right.
1: Praise Okay, so I think I've given the group uh, in the gym enough time uh, so we can transition now. I'll pray, and then we can transition to the gym. Any other announcements or anything, anything from you, Adrian?
0: Here comes the rest of the little wonderful children. Okay, again, uh,
1: thank you. And uh, we do this same thing every Sunday, so you're more than welcome to come. So let's uh, pray together. And then there's different ways that you can find yourself into the uh, gym. I'll be in the back, so let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this wonderful day. thank you for family. Thank you for friends, for coming out and just allowing us to give you the glory and honor that you so rightfully deserve. Father, we now pray that the food that we eat will nourish us and strengthen us and that you would use it to cause us to serve you and to live our lives for the Lord Jesus Christ. And your blessings and your grace be upon each and every one of us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, you are dismissed. We thank you, choir.